Have you ever felt like an ant? I know it's a weird question, but sometimes you might have. And I did visiting the redwoods in Jedediah Smith National Park in Northern California, where, you know, we have these enormous giant sequoias that rise up almost 300 feet high. And some people say they are, these giant sequoias, among the tallest, widest, and long, longest-lived of all organisms on the planet. So these are really big ones. And uh, if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about, but you really, really feel like you're an ant. It's, that's how you feel, because you're so little in comparison with them. Some of them have been there for over 2,000 years. And I was humbled and amazed at the same time, standing at the feet of one and looking up to the treetop, you almost fell backwards. This happens when you see the vastness of nature. And I remember walking in the forest, and um, a psalm came into me, my mind. It was uh, Psalm number 8. And it says the following, When I see the heavens, the work of your hands, the moon and the stars which you arranged, what is man that you should keep him in mind, mortal man that you care for him? We are so little, tiny in this universe, and yet you care for us? This simple experience was humbling. It helped me to step down from my ego and realize, realize how little I am. I realize my littleness. It puts me sort of into place. Now, follow me on this one, because if this is so, it's a simple experience that we all might have being outdoors. If this is real or if it's true, when you are faced with nature, how much more is that when you are faced with a greater reality such as God himself? We unfortunately have domesticated the Lord too much, and we think we know it all about God. We think we can manage him even, because in a sense we have tamed him. We believe for so long, I've been Christian for many, many years. I've been a priest so for so long, I, I've read the scriptures. I read the Bible maybe more than once. So I, there's nothing new. There's no surprise. It's uh, all the same old, same old thing. We have tamed the Lord. But that's so dangerous to believe that we know it all, that we got it all together. Maybe it's it, it, if we feel this way, it's because we have tailored him down to our size. When we think about God and we, when we encounter the living God, we are filled with amazement and awe and a sense of gratitude and joy at the same time. Sometimes we 
have come to be so accustomed to some things in our faith that we should never be used to. We talk about God taking flesh, for instance. And we take it for granted. Yep, for sure. God became man. What? Is that for real? Shouldn't we be amazed every time we think about that? And that's to mention just one thing in our faith. We could go forever here. When we discover the greatness of God, we have no words to describe it because it's unfathomable. The great mathematician and physic and philosopher who lived in France many, many years ago in the 17th century, Blaise Pascal, he found God when he was still young, but still brilliant. And this is what he wrote. He, he, he found this, this awesome God, and he wrote it down in a piece of parchment which he carried for the rest of his life, sewed inside his coat so that he would often be reminded of that experience. This is, these are his words. The year of grace, 1654, Monday, 23rd November, feast of St. Clement, Pope and Martyr, and others in the martyr, martyrology. Vigil of St. Chrysogonus, Martyr and others. From about half past ten at night until about half past midnight. Fire. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of the philosophers and of the learned, certitude, certitude, feeling, joy, peace, God of Jesus Christ, my God and your God. Your God will be my God. Forgetfulness of the world and of everything except God. He's only found, found by the ways taught in the gospel, grandeur of the human soul. Righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. Joy, 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 tears of joy. I have departed from him. They have forsaken me the fount of living water. My God, will you leave me? Let me not be separated from him forever. This is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, the one that you sent, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. I left him, I fled him, renounced, crucified, let me never be separated from him. He's only kept securely by the way taught in the gospel. Renunciation, total and sweet. Complete submission to Jesus Christ and to my director. Eternally enjoy for a day's exercise on the earth. May I not forget your words. Amen. 
Are these the words of an engineer, of a physician, of a mathematician? He's all over the place. He cannot even explain it or write it down with sentences. It's just so overwhelming. And this is exactly the same thing that happened today in the gospel to Peter. And to Isaiah in the first reading. And to Paul in the second reading. In the first reading, we read about Isaiah. Isaiah says to have seen the Lord in a lofty throne, surrounded by angels that sing holy, holy, holy. And he said, whoa, I'm doomed because I'm a man of unclean lips. He felt that he was not even worthy to be in the presence of God. And Paul says, writing to the Corinthians, I'm not even, I don't even deserve the name of an apostle because I was, I persecuted the church. And like one born abnormally, the Lord called me. And Peter, he says, Lord, depart from me for I am a sinful man. Get away from me. I, I I'm not worthy to be in your presence. This is too much for me. But when you find God, the real God, not your version of God, you're not, not your tamed version of Jesus Christ, you're not your body Jesus, the real Jesus, the amazing Jesus, the Jesus of the gospel, the Jesus that preached, that healed. When you find him, you feel so unworthy. So unfit to be in his presence. Unworthiness is not shameful. Though it may be uncomfortable. But it's reality. None of us is worthy to be in the presence of God. Who am I to celebrate the Mass? Who are we all to receive Jesus tonight? What have we done that we deserve that? All the greatest saints all across the board, down the centuries, have always said that they were great sinners. That's how they talk about themselves. Pope Francis, in one of the interviews when he came here to America, was asked, who is Jorge Bergoglio? That's his name, right? Who's Jorge Bergoglio? And he said, a sinner. And the reason why they answer in, like, in this manner is because they saw the gap between God and themselves. And they didn't fool themselves. They know who they are. When we realize who God is, then we get to know who we are. And that's why it's so important to know God. It's not an accessory. It's Important is part of it. And by this, we are not diminished or humiliated. This is a humble, humbling experience, but it's not an experience of humiliation. To be humble is to find the right place and to step down from our pedestal. St. Therese of Lisieux defined humility as walking in the truth. Walking in the truth. 
to know who you really are. That's to be humble. Not to be more than that, not to be less than that. And this helps us in the spiritual life because we, and in our faith, because there are two very common misconceptions of God. The first one is that some people believe that God is sort of against us and he likes to see us prostrate, eating dirt. So he rejoices somehow in that. And that is not so. When God calls you, he knows who you are perfectly well. And he equips you when he calls you. He doesn't call the perfect. He perfects the ones he calls. And the second big misconception, that's the first one too, that God is, is on our side and he will work for us and he will equip us and he would do what he needs to do for us to stand up. And the second one is that the second misconception is that if some people think, if I give too much glory to God, then what's left for me? As if, again, we were in competition with God. He gets more glory, then I get less glory somehow, and that's not good for me. But he's not a competitor. He does not work that way. His glory is our glory. And your glory is his as well. After these experiences of Isaiah, Peter, and Paul, they are made apostles and preachers of the word. Isaiah hears the words of, of the Lord. Whom shall I send? And Isaiah said, send me, even though I am not fit for the task. Send me. And the Lord sends him, and he becomes the greatest of the prophets of the Old Testament. And Paul happened the same thing. He was not worthy. But he's, he says, by the grace of God, I am who I am. It's not my doing. It's God's grace in me. And Peter, I sort of imagine what he was expected. He said, Lord, walk away from me. I'm a sinful man. And I bet he after kneeling down and maybe bowing his head, he should have heard, yeah, of course, I'm going to walk away from you, Peter, because you are such a simple man. But that's not the answer of Jesus. He said, I will make you fisher of men. When we are humble in his presence, he equips us and he gives us a new mission. That's what he wants from all of us. So have you had an experience like this? With God. Ask God what is the mission that He has for you? Spend some time reflecting on it on this because the Lord says the one who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted.